Two phrases I heard whilst I was away. Well, they are all animals, talking about refugees, and send them home. Hmm. See, it's a bit like in the PE lesson. I get to choose the ones who are like me. And anyone else, they can go play their own game. Exclusion is alive and well. And it's really primal in us to want to do that. It's a retreat and protect instinct that we all have. But the trouble is that what it does, it creates insiders and it creates outsiders. It creates us and them and it creates friends and it creates enemies. And the trouble is that our thinking gets reduced and all we see is what's in the picture frame. All we see is the things that we like. All we see is something incredibly narrow. But we all know that there's stuff outside of the frame. Uh, This way of seeing, this way of looking at things is a mindset and it's a lens. And we always uh, see and think according to the beliefs that we have. Always. Everything that we do is always determined by the beliefs that we have. So if I believe something, I will act in a particular way. And as Oasis Church Waterloo and Steve just uh, showed, went through the circle with us as we were praying, we've stated incredibly clearly that we are absolutely committed to inclusion for all people. But I want to say to us, it's not because it's PC that we're committed to it. And it's not because it's cool and it makes us a cool church that we are committed to it. It's because of what we believe about who God is and what God is like. Which kind of means we have to think clearly and understand carefully what it is we believe about who God is and what God's nature is. See, I've uh, realized historically in my own um, life that at times I've worn God like a badge. God's a bit like Father Christmas on steroids. That's what I think God's like. You know, if, if, I, if I'm good, then God will give me good things. Or I've kind of understood God to be like a Superman figure who's my hero on my side. And I carry my God into my battles. And I've created this understanding of who God is. And this God is the God that I win with, which means everyone else loses. God becomes the God that I brandish as a weapon. And it's the God that I use to back up 
the things that I believe and the position that I want to hold. And then I act out those beliefs. So I judge others and I overwhelm others and I dominate others with the truth that I have. Does it sound familiar? I'm right, they're wrong. I exclude because they're wrong. I know it all, so I attack you. But what if we understand God differently? What if we use a different lens? What if God is actually very, very, very different to that? There's a word that's often used to describe the nature of who God is, and that's the word Trinity. When uh, I was um, growing up, um, as a teenager, I used to go on every Sunday evening, a few of us would go around to the curate's house. The curate was like the trainee vicar when I was growing up. And I remember the curate doing a session teaching us all about the Trinity. Oh, I used to lead such a fun life on a Sunday evening. Um, and uh, I remember um, Simon, his name was, he used to say to, to us on this occasion, he said, the thing you need to understand about the Trinity, Jill, is this, that it's like an always giving relationship. An always giving relationship. And I was like, oh, always giving. There's never the sense of anyone being on the take Everyone is giving, and therefore everyone is receiving. And the whole relationship is characterized by love. God is always giving, never taking, and the whole relationship is characterized by love. God is a relationship. Some have described God as a dance. A dance. I, um, has anyone ever been to a Cayley? Yes. They're quite dangerous, aren't they? <laughs> They're meant to be fun, but actually very dangerous moments in your life. And I was um, dancing uh, with a friend of mine. This was at someone's wedding. It was in Orkney. And um, I'd never danced this particular <laughs> dance before. And what happened was there was a lot of spinning involved. <laughs> and the, the tighter I held on to the guy that was dan I was dancing with, the further I thought I was going to fly out and hit the walls in the hall that we were in. It was, it was just ridiculous. The, the tighter I held on to what was at the center the more I actually felt like I was spinning out and actually would reach out to everybody else and grab hold of them. And that's a bit like the dance of who God is. That God is this relationship of giving. And as that relationship of giving goes on and on and on and on, the spin moves out and it pulls people in 
towards the centre. And at the centre, it's a cute picture, huh? At the centre is this sense of the pure love of God gazing at you, holding you tight. And for some of us today, that's the thing that we need to hear. To talk about inclusion, and the thing for you is, you are included. And you are held in the loving gaze of God, right at the center. I don't know how many of you remember playing this game at school where you grabbed someone's hand and you (laughs) ran to try and grab other people. As you understand the relationship being held tight and included in this love of God, There is a sense where you reach out and seek to pull everybody else in into this inclusive love. You can't help but pull people in because you can't help but spin out. God is an inclusive, embracing relationship and an including, embracing dance that reaches out and it is God's nature. That is just who God is. This is the nature of who God is. Reaching towards, embracing, including. So when we talk about the refugees, We can do nothing other than that. When we know people are on the outside, we can do nothing other than bring them in. Why? Because we are caught up in the nature of who God is, loving and reaching out and pulling in. This is the ark of the Bible. The story that's talked about in the Bible, we see it all the way through. From Abraham, you're blessed to bless, to the commands of God's people to care for the widow, the orphans, and the refugees, to those who are responsible for their fields to leave the outsides of the fields for the poor to come and glean the crops from to the call of the prophets onto the people of God to spend themselves on behalf of the poor, to the welcome that Jesus constantly gave to the adulterers, to the inclusion of those that everyone said was outcasts and even called sinners, right down to the genealogy of Jesus where we see this mix of people God is always pulling people in. 
the teaching of Jesus to love, to forgive, to reach out, can you see that the direction is always to face out and to bring in? Someone said to me this week, I was having a conversation with someone um, who I work with who talks about themselves not as someone who's a follower of Jesus. That's how they describe themselves. And he said this, if this is what God is really like, then I'm in. If this is what God is really like, then I'm in. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, how we got it so wrong. There's an icon that many of you will have seen, I'm sure, before. Um, it's a beautiful icon by Andrei, An Andrei Rublev. And it's his depiction of the Trinity. There's the Father dressed in gold. Gold because it's a symbol of perfection and fullness. And then there's Jesus, the Christ, dressed in blue. This idea of sea and sky, heaven and earth meeting, the incarnation. And the spirit draped with green. Alive, blooming and growth. But if you were to see the real icon you would notice much more clearly the colors and also two other things on the picture. Firstly, that there is another seat that is empty. And what the artist was doing was inviting the person viewing the icon to know that they were invited in and included by God. And the other thing is there in the real thing is like a little uh, blob right down the bottom. And it's where they think there was some glue. And what the artist had done was actually put a little tiny mirror so that you, as you looked at who God was, realized that you were welcome. This is who God is and it's how God is and we are to act out of what we believe and practice it until it becomes fully who we are too to love our enemies to do good to those who hate us to bless those who um, curse us to pray for those who ill treat us Do you see how the nature of things, when someone curses you, what you actually want to do is either turn your back on them or punch them. <laughs> when someone is horrible to you, instead of forgiving to, uh, to them, you actually want to take revenge on them. Every one of those moves is a move of retreat, of a withdrawal. But Jesus, even in this bit of teaching, is inviting people to go beyond, to step outside the frame. How do we do it?
How do we do it? Well, firstly, we need to change the way that we think. There's two types of thinking. There's exclusionary thinking, where we think, like I said earlier, that we own the truth and therefore we attack anything that is a threat, that the other is wrong. And we try and win the whole time. And we are preoccupied with maintaining what is inside our frame. And then there is inclusionary thinking. Inclusionary thinking is embracing. It transcends what has gone before. It sees outside of the frame. It sees what might be. All learning, all growth, all development, all personal transformation, all science always goes beyond what has gone before. It always transcends what has gone before. So a question for us is this. How much of our thinking is about us being right and others being wrong. A spacious and undefended heart finds room for everything you are and carves space for everybody else. The second thing we need to think about is this. We need to be honest and own our unconscious bias. Uh, when I was away, I was um, just speaking at um, someone's conference and uh, um, I was being interviewed by that person. And uh, when they interviewed me, they immediately said to everybody else in the audience, um, so Jill, she's, uh, she's British, which means that she's got 25 points higher IQ than any of the rest of us because of my accent. Unconscious bias. When you hear someone in America who speaks with an English accent, there's two things. Either they're really intelligent or they know the Queen. That's what people think. We all function with unconscious bias. All of us. We can't help ourselves but create insiders and outsiders. We all have this propensity, this preference for particular people. We surround ourselves with people who are like us. Think about your address book or your names in your phone or the people that you interact with. We surround ourselves with people who are like us. We have lunch with people who are like us. We spend time with people who are like us. Why? Because our brain is wired to seek out people who are the same. Our brains, the pathways, the neural pathways in our brains function, are refined to think like that. And we become empathetic and sympathetic to people who are like us and we don't care very much at all about the people who are different to us. Have you noticed how sometimes you get more irritated by some people than others? 
do you find yourself getting irritated by people who are in your in-group or your out-group? Do you ever find yourself driving your car and someone cuts you up and inside you know that inside you've said, I bet that's a woman? No, no one's going to admit that, are they? (laughs) Or you're at work. And instead of responding positively to someone, you go, that's just typical of them. Insider, outsider. To break down our unconscious bias, we have to practice an alternative. We are capable of being more inclusive, all of us. And God calls us to it. We have to make a start. What do we do? We have to go bigger. We have to extend the circle all the time, move outwards. Why? Because the nature of God is this relationship that spins out and pulls people towards him. Who are we to be but people who reach out and pull people in? And we have to know our own blind spots. Maybe we are blind to people who are a different height to us, a weight to us, a class to us, an ethnicity to us, a gender to us, a sexuality to us, whatever other division we can possibly think of. And God calls us to go beyond what we feel comfortable with to extend. Thirdly, liking it doesn't make you it. Being part of an inclusive church like we are does not make us inclusive. (laughs) I know this to be true for me. Being part of an inclusive church does not make me inclusive. Do you know that there is a new phenomenon? It's called slacktivism, or I've called it clicktivism. Where basically, you know all the stuff that comes through on social media? Any of you who are Twitterers? Tweeters, I'm really good with that one. Um, Facebook, any of those things. That thing where you just like it because you think, oh yeah, no, those are my things. I'm into those things. But actually you're doing nothing about it in real life. It's called slacktivism. Or laziness is another way of saying it. It's like reading a newspaper and saying, I absolutely agree, and then doing nothing about it. Liking it doesn't make you it. Liking inclusion, being part of a church that talks about being inclusive, does not make you inclusive. What makes you inclusive is being inclusive. Being inclusive of people who are different to you. I can be inclusive towards people of the LGB and T communities... (laughs) but I cannot like conservatives. That is not inclusive. I can be inclusive of people who are the same class as me, but I can be not inclusive of people who are of a different class of me. That is not inclusive. That is slacktivism. That is lazy. That is an echo chamber. Who are we not including? Who am I actually excluding? 
I'm middle class, I'm educated, and I'm fairly literate. So who am I missing? And Jesus, in his teaching, in that passage in Luke, makes it very clear that the way you become inclusive is that you are disrupted, that you seek to move out towards the one that has offended you, that you bless the one who has cursed you, that you turn the other cheek to the one who has affronted you, that you go the extra mile. Disruption is the life giver as we seek to become more inclusive. It's the widow, the orphan, the single, the married, the gay, the straight, the old, the young, the different ethnicities, the interests, the refugees, the homeless, the people we think are ugly and the ones who are astoundingly beautiful. It's about all of them. And finally, I think this is the toughest bit. Inclusion is about the smallest interactions in our lives. It's about whether we listen to people or whether we interrupt them. Because if we interrupt, it suggests that we think our view is more important than theirs. It's about whether we serve, really, or do we impose. Because if I impose, it suggests that the people I'm with have nothing to offer or of less value to me. It's about whether we embrace or dominate. Because if I dominate, it suggests that I have power and I'm not afraid to use it. See, if I do believe in a God who is always loving and always giving and always, as a result, reaching out and spinning out, then inclusion has to be at the center, at the core of everything I do, everything, and everything that we do and everything that you do. So what will you and I and we do differently? For some of us today know that you are held in the loving gaze of God. You are loved. And you are held tight right at the centre. But all of us all need to know this as well, that we're invited to join in with this giving dance. The invitation is to join in. And in the wonderful words of Michelle Obama, <laughs> when they go low, we go high. We rise, we dance, and we include. Why? Because God's love wins. Because God is love.
Our job, our job is to be in the world who God is. Let's pray. All-loving and all-giving God. Thank you that you invite us into your loving gaze. And you invite us to join in the dance of what love is within this world. So God, would you show us how to understand what it means to be inclusive about the big things and about the smallest details. From, from standing up for statements that are just unbelievably wrong about refugees right to being in meetings with people and remembering not to interrupt but to value from the biggest to the smallest things God would you help us all be people run through with your nature loving always always loving and as we do this Lord we acknowledge that it's messy and we acknowledge that it means that many more people, many more people need to be part of all that it is we are doing and being. So help us to look up and help us to look out beyond what is comfortable. In Jesus' name, amen.